Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm so thankful to be sitting here with the man, the myth, the legend, Gene Trowbridge. Gene, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Tyler. Thank you very much. Well, good. Well, good. I'm really excited to have you on the show today, and it was great to meet you recently at a CCIM event in Chicago, and I think both of us uh, certainly uh, share the same affinity for that organization that has offered me so much, and certainly you as well. We've been involved for 40 years. so 40 years as a teacher. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yes, I guess so. And, and I finally just, uh, just decided that I, I would open a space for a younger person and uh, got tired of doing the same thing over and over and over. Plus, yeah. business has grown so much, it, it became uh, more and more difficult to be gone for an entire week yeah. uh, from, from the firm. And uh, when I came home, I was just buried. So mm -hmm. uh, that was good. That was a good run. Yeah. Somewhere along the line today, I'll tell you uh, about how important that was. But it was very good. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And um, you know, definitely want to talk about your business as well as your experience and you as a person. And we'll definitely dive into that. But before we do that, I want to welcome Elevate Nation back to the fold here because this is the show where we are identifying and applying how the best of the best are achieving greatness in real estate and beyond. Uh, you know, really through personal professional development, you know, through their network, through their mindset, through their psychology, through elevating their emotions, dealing with the challenges, you know, taking them on head on. And then also overcoming and capitalizing on opportunities. But this is a masterclass, and this is for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And if you appreciate what we're doing, we would appreciate if you subscribe to the show, give us a rating, a five star rating if you're so inclined. Uh, a review also helps. You know, our goal is to reach millions and millions of people with this message. And the reason why that is is because you know, we've noticed that most people just tolerate their life, man. And, um, you know, most people just plug it in. And what we want to do is we want to live a life of greatness of fulfillment. And real estate is certainly a vehicle for that, uh, you know, as well as obviously developing our own capacities. And so that's why we've brought a, a master with us today and Gene Trowbridge and, and a really funny guy, really fun guy. I'm looking forward to getting <laughs> to know him. And, and let me just introduce you to Gene funny. first. Yeah, he's, he's funny because He's he's almost great, forgotten. Great. He's, he's forgotten more than more than most of us know, and uh, I'm I'm definitely grateful to have that wisdom embarked upon us today. So let me introduce you to Gene. So Gene Trowbridge is an experienced participant in the commercial and investment real estate market. As a syndicator, he sponsored 16 funds concentrating in building and managing self storage facilities while raising money through the Securities and Exchange Commission Brokerage Network. He was also a senior instructor for CCIM, as we mentioned, for courses for 40 years, teaching courses primarily concentrating on investment analysis and decision-making analysis. At 45, at the age of 45, he went to law school and now is the managing partner of Trowbridge Sedoti LLP, a law firm concentrating on syndication and crowdfunding. He and his law partner, Jillian Sedoti, represent over 500 clients and have authorized securities offering documents for over $3.8 billion with a B of equity raised since 2014 in a variety of asset classes with an emphasis on real estate. 
And so if you're in this business, you know about their firm, you know about their company, you probably know Gene. I mean, he's extremely well known in the space. And so Gene, you know, we, we love the, we love our bios and you certainly have an extremely distinguished bio that I'm sure we could go on for many, many, you know, probably hours on, but I'd love to know more about Gene Trowbridge, the man behind the bio. Well, <laughs> so my, uh, let's see. Uh, my career has really been in three phases, commercial broker, syndicator, and lawyer. So a lawyer in only one space, the syndication space. My personal life was uh, born and raised in Minnesota, uh, got married in Minnesota, and in uh, 1979 left Minnesota to come to California. Uh, have had a couple kids. Kay and I have been married uh, 47 years, 48, it'll be 48 in June. And uh, that's been good. And uh, I've had an interesting life. You know, as Jimmy Buffett says in a song uh, called He Went to Paris, the line is, some of it's magic and some of it's tragic, but I've had a good life just the same. Well, that's great. That's great. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I mean, what's, what's, if you're willing to share what's been tragic, what's been magic? I mean, maybe one or two, maybe major examples of things that cause you to pivot in your life. Well, one of the questions you're going to ask me is if, uh, of a book that's been important to me. So we're going to jump right to that Love it. right now. There's a book here called The Shack. Many of your viewers have either read The Shack or have, um, uh, watch the movie. And why this was important to me is that uh, I've had two children and I've lost one of my, one of my daughters uh, uh, to, to drugs when she was in her early 30s. And this particular book has helped me deal with, deal with all that. It was a great loss and, and the, the father in that book had a great loss and went through a lot to uh, to in his life to figure out how to deal with that. And that was, uh, that was important. So, you know, having kids was a big deal in my life. Uh, going to law school was a huge deal in my life. Uh, my wife and I came to a point in, um, in my syndication career that it was probably a time to move on. I was being pressured into growing. Uh, not physically, because that, that's it, but growing my business. And over my, my career, I've had two or three times when I was pressured into growing, and I've always backed off. I've always reached a point that I'm comfortable with, and anything more than that, uh, I backed off. So I went home for lunch one day, and Kay, around, Kay and I sat around the kitchen table, Tyler, where you know all the great decisions in life are made. Right. And I said, you know, I think I'll get out of this in the next couple of years. And it was an easy time to make a transition. So I said, I think I'll get out of that and, and I'll go to law school. I mean, we had two kids, they were going to school, Kay was working, I was still working. And so I went to law school at night and uh, probably the only time I was really a successful student and crammed through that in two and a half years and passed the California bar the first time, and then I didn't know what the hell to do. So I said, okay, now that I've done that, I guess I should be a lawyer. So it took me a couple of years, actually, to open the practice and, and move on that. And that's been a big change in my life 
uh, professionally, and it's been a wonderful change. And it's, it's all rooted in my teaching. Hmm. It's, you know, it's all rooted in teaching. I am a believer in education-based marketing. Mm-hmm. And so I built my syndication business with education-based marketing of the securities brokers and investors. And then when I went into my law practice, you know, it's, it's seminars, it's stuff like this. It's teaching and it's education-based, uh, education-based marketing. It just, just works for me. Yeah. And I mean, when you give to others, you also receive, right? I mean, you know, we're, we're sitting here in mid November and the show will come out in, in early 2020, which is crazy to even say, but you know, at the time of year where we are, you know, we're, we're talking about giving thanks and also, you know, next month, you know, a lot of people are giving gifts and receiving gifts. It's better to give than receive, but then when you give, you almost receive more. And one thing I saw recently was when one teacher teaches someone else, two people learn, you know? So I'm curious to know, how has that impacted you as an educator yourself? Well, certainly in the 40 years that I taught CCIM courses, I learned all sorts of stuff. Um, You know, some of the people, I'm coming jumping ahead in what we're going to talk about. We're going to cover it all. But some of the people that I admire the most were the really great teachers I taught with for 40 years, because everyone is different. Everyone has a different presentation style and I can't be everyone I'm me but I pick a little bit from everyone so that was strong but going to law school um, opened up my eyes uh, as they as the joke is that a divorce lawyer knows that there are three sides to every divorce case there's his side there's her side and then there's the truth so, so one of the things that going to law school did is make me um, see both sides of, of the issue more clearly than I had. And teaching certainly gave me patience. Mm-hmm. So with patience and being able to see both sides, I think that's really shaped me into to what I've become. So Gene, I want to back up just slightly because um, you mentioned a few things earlier and you were talking about when you were a syndicator and you were growing and you were feeling like you were being pressured into growing further. Was that from your investors or from other uh, from folks that broker, you were surrounded with? Yeah, it's from the broker dealer community. The broker dealer community was raising money for my deals and they came to me and they wanted me to do bigger deals. Got it. Because the deals were were a reasonable size for me, but they wanted me to raise, you know, five to $10 million each time. And I had a, I had a policy of how I was going to do this and anything over 5 million stretched my limits. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time I would have had to, well, rent bigger office space, hire more employees. And I just, I just thought that, that it wasn't going to, uh, wasn't going to fit me. So, uh, so that's what I did. And so you, I mean, this is just a really good reminder for everybody, I think, is that, you know, as you grow and as you get more successful, there, that pressure to continue to grow is always there. And, you know, if you don't feel it right, like, was it a gut feel for you? Or is it also kind of a, you know what, it didn't make sense from all these different angles in terms of having to get more office space, more employees, and it just just didn't feel like it made sense for you or how did that, how did you make that decision? Well, I think it was both. I think it was a gut feel because I'm not the best uh, 
I'm not the best boss because I'm not the best judge of character. And I, I employ people that, that I think have attributes that they really don't have. Yeah. I expect everyone to be a self-starter like me and it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to go farther with that. And over the years, I've always hesitated from taking the responsibility, Tyler, of providing the income that you need to make your house payment. Yeah. Okay. You provide it yourself. <laughs> Don't count on me. Okay. So we feel as entrepreneurs, <laughs> that's for sure. I right. know that. Yeah. So yeah. when I was back just in the brokerage business, I'd hire salespeople and and I would think, well, boy, they're gonna get out there and run and they're gonna do all this stuff so they can they can make their house payment. And they kept looking at me, you know, when are you gonna give me a deal? When are you gonna mm. do that? And I Got still it. had some of that problems in the law firm where I bring in some new attorneys and for a year or so it's you know, they're they're helping me. They're getting their money from me. And at some point, you know, we don't have 20, for, 20 attorneys. We have six today. And yep. that's, about, that's about enough. I have one partner and, uh, and uh, so the two of us and four other attorneys. That's about as big as I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And, and we still do a lot of business, so that's fine. No doubt about that. Um, so tell me, Gene, I, I'm curious, you know, as somebody who's been able to really kind of fight through different fires in your life and your business for many, many years and really come out on top and achieve great success. I mean, like you, you say you do okay. I mean, that's a totally like, I mean, you're doing great. I mean, you guys are servicing many, many major clients across the United States. I know that for sure. And, and uh, I'm curious to know, was, was there a moment in your life or, you know, your upbringing or sometime where you said, look, I'm not going to be this average guy. I'm going to be uncommon. Uh, is there a time that you drew a line in the sand or was that a process to get to that point? Well, it's actually opposite. Um, when we talked about leaving Minnesota and moving to California, Kay and I had a discussion, and I remember what she said, you know, you can stay here in Minnesota, and you can really be a big fish. Mm-hmm. Or you go to California, and maybe you won't be such a big fish. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, but my toes will be warm in the wintertime. So. <laughs> right, fair enough. So I gave up being, I gave up the idea of being a big fish when I left, I think I did, and that's, that's my perception of myself, when I, left, uh, when I left Minnesota, and I understood how big California was. And then um, I think I gave up, another thing, I gave up an idea of being a big fish when I decided that I'd had enough of the syndication business and I wasn't going to grow. So therefore it was going to, uh, it was going to slow down and I needed to think about whatever else I was going to do. And, and law school uh, was a great personal improvement for me. I'm happy I did that. And I'm very happy doing what I'm, I'm doing now. But once again, I'm at a point where this is about as, as big as I am. And people are, I know are talking to Jillian. I don't know if you know Jillian, but a lot of people who are listening to this know Jillian. And people today are talking to Jillian about what are you going to do when Gene retires? Hmm. I'm 71 years old as we talked to you today. And I've, I've been an attorney now for 25 years. And I don't see me retire. And I think this is a great, this is a great business not to have to retire. I can work you know, I never go to court. I just work on paper and I go out and, and, and teach and do my education-based marketing. And, and uh, 
uh, I think it's great. So I expect I'm going to have a long career. And, and I guess my issue with the company is, you know, will I ever have 10 attorneys? Uh, and the answer is probably no. Six will be enough. So when I retire, if I do, I'll still get my royalty. Are you someone who is looking to seriously elevate your life this year? I mean, now, this year, 2020, because I want to let you know that I am currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And I want to invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I have to tell you, this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are defiantly committed, those who are decisive, those who are coachable, those who are resourceful. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to sacrifice time, energy, and invest resources into themselves to get to where they want to be, to live life at the highest level, and to elevate to a life without limits, exactly what we talked about on this show. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. So, you know, one of the questions I know that we were going to talk about is what, uh, you know, what am I getting better at saying no to? And we already saw, seen something. I said no to growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. I said no to being a big fish. I said no a couple times, three times in my life to growth. And the last one was leaving uh, the syndication business. But right now my issue is how do I say no to working 18 hour days? Yeah. And uh, one of my biggest challenges, Tyler, is um, getting started in the day mm-hmm. and ending the day. Getting started isn't so bad. I have a routine on how I get started. And I read a book once called um, Free Agent Nation. And it was a book written by a number of people who left Uh, the corporate world and now we're trying to be on their own and it was a huge change for them they were now free agents okay free agent nation and uh, uh, one guy said you know the reason they left is they've all of a sudden felt that there was no vertical loyalty anymore in the big corporations the loyalty that you had was horizontal when you worked on teams with projects and when you're alone that's what you have. You know, you have teams. There's no one above me. There really isn't anyone below me. My loyalty is working on projects with my, when I was teaching with the other teachers in the room for the week. And now when I'm an attorney doing this. And um, interestingly enough, the one thing I remember is the guy said, you know, I don't have to get up and go to the office every day. How do I get started? So I get up every morning and dress the way I need to dress for the morning, get in my car, drive up to the corner, buy a couple cups of coffee, drive home. I do a lot of work out of my house and walk in the house and go to work. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense of arrival. And every Tuesday I drive down to our main office is about 80 miles from me. So I drive down to Marietta, to Temecula, and, and get enough of that office crap for the week and then come back and work here. And, uh, but the hard part is quitting at the end of the day. It's too easy to come from my office into the kitchen where Kay and I cook dinner together and uh, not go back to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't gotten that part done. I'm better at it, but that's what I'm working on, on saying no to. I mean, the day's over. I use the analogy, I, you know, it's time to drop the shovel. Mm-hmm. 
I walk, I walk into the kitchen and say, okay, I'm dropping the shovel. I think it's a really relevant conversation for so many people because number one, even if you're not a work from home type of person, you know, four or five days out of the week, you can be reached anywhere, you know, at any time and your Mm -hmm. business follows you no matter where you are. So I think the question of how am I ending my day, you know, how can you compartmentalize your work? And, you know, perhaps you've got a specific room in your house. It's like, that's where you do that work. That's it. Like when you're in I your do. bedroom, you're not, you're not reading emails. You know, you should be thinking about sleep. You know, you should be focusing on sleep. And when you're in your, you know, your kitchen, you, you should be focusing on nutrition Perfect. and spending time with your family. Right. You know, I, I mean, do that. So one of the uh, things that, uh, that we have here in the house is my office is on the main floor and uh, we have a two story house and uh, we don't take our computers and our telephones upstairs. Mm-hmm. That's great. We, we don't do it with, yeah, we have a landline if anyone really needs us. Yeah. Call us, but we don't take the cell phones and the computer up there when it's yeah, done. I think separating yourself from the cell phone is a, is a huge move. And I, that's one thing I need to do is get it out of my bedroom, you know, but I use it for an alarm. So I need to get that, get that away. But, um, you know, if you can start your day without the phone, it's huge. But tell me, Gene, I want to fast forward just a little bit, um, you know, with your current business. I mean, obviously you guys are servicing so many different syndicators and, you know, acting as their SEC attorney and really advising in so many different capacities. I'm curious to know you and Jillian and your other colleagues. I mean, what's the what's an example of something that you guys have done over the past few years that have really kind of raised the bar for your business? Well, I built my business on education-based marketing, absolutely, yeah. and so still being out there, still being relevant, still studying and specializing. But when I joined up with Jillian. Um, she brought to us uh, social media. I was not real big on social media. And yep. like today, I'm still not, I'm still not Facebook uh, in any way toward business. I'm in LinkedIn mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we hired a, um, a marketing person, a mm-hmm. social media marketing person, which who we have in the office. And then we have an IT person in the office because I'm not terribly computer computer literate. So those things just exploded our business. We're, we're getting ready for our annual meeting. Uh, we have every year in January, we bring everyone together and we talk about what's going on. And we've been doing research. Where do our clients, where are clients coming from this year? And our clients are coming from our, our um, webinars, mm-hmm. our social media, And uh, in fact, other than the CCIM event, you were at that one and I did one other. We didn't do any really live presentations ourselves this year. In the past, we've always done five or six, two or three day events. And we said, let's not do that this year. Let's go on other people's events. Let's find audiences that other people have built and see if we can speak to their groups. And that with the social media, and it's just uh, it's just big. Although repeat business is the number one, isn't of course. it? Of course, you got to get them in the door, though, right? Tyler, I have a client that uh, we have we have over five hundred clients, but I have one client who since two thousand and fourteen, when I met with this client, and I walked out of the room and I said, "I'm not getting that business." I just know that that didn't work right. Well, we've done 104 offerings since 2014. 
Wow. Uh, to the extent that I had him hire an attorney to go in-house. So, cause he was going to go broke paying me for all this stuff. So the attorney <laughs> in-house uses my documents, drafts my documents and I review everything cause he raises all his money through the broker dealer community. So they need a, a third set of independent eyes on the documents, but 104 offerings in the range of oh four to $6 million each offering. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? You just never know, right? Never ju judge a judge a book by its cover or an experience. No, by no, no I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to get that business, and I walked out of there. Now, you know, if I'd known what it was going to be, that's the only business I ever would need. Yeah. I would have said, "Okay, I'll deal with you exclusively." Yeah, but uh, that would have been a mistake. So that was that was good. So social media is strong. You've seen our. You've seen our website and you've seen our mm -hmm. podcasts and the things that we do. And uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sold on that. Well, I mean, you're giving value and you're, you're building a relationship with people who are very, you know, in today's day and age, people look at advertising, they tune it out so quickly because it's like, ah, eh, this doesn't really add value to me. It's not mm -hmm. really teaching me anything. But if you add value to me, I want to engage with you. I want to know more about what do you know. I want to get that free content. It's like, wait a minute, I want to dig in further with you. And right. it makes it makes total sense. So it's still education based marketing. It yeah. still is. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, Gene, um, you know, you were talking about starting up your day and finishing up your day and you know, the challenges that you you've still run into there. But I'm curious to know what what habits uh, are integral for you in terms of your success or have been over the past 40 plus years? I, I'm pretty good at multitasking. I can have, have a lot of uh, balls up in the air at one time. Uh, generally, now that we're, we're so heavily involved with uh, emails, I try to use my email as a phone. Uh, someone sends me an email, and if it's something that uh, would really be best talk about, I just call them. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many people are surprised. Oh my gosh, you called me. I didn't expect that you'd call me. And, uh, and uh, I answer my own phones. Mm -hmm. Even though our office and all the staff, we have our own phone number down there. I still have my direct phone line. And uh, the phone rings and I pick it up. And people say, gee, I was expecting a voicemail or something. So I'm one-on-one uh, -on -one with, uh, with my clients. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff I can delegate. I don't type very well, so some of the attorneys that work for me do a lot of the actual document production so I can continue to talk to people and, and, and uh, mentor. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, I guess that's, uh, you know, when you, you said you were going to ask me that question, I thought about it. I, I really don't have any, I really don't have any uh, great uh, deals other than just paying attention to my clients. Well, I think that's a good, actually a great context because a lot of people, you know, you, you think about, all right, if I think about a business system of education-based marketing, which is one to many, and you're bringing in people through that, people are saying, hey, I want to engage with you further. But then when they engage with you further, it's one to one. It's not, hey, right. you know, watch my, watch my program over here and spend 30 minutes and then let me know if you have any questions. It's, hey, let's have a phone call. And let's talk specifically about what your needs are 
and advise you specifically. So I, I think that's great context for people to realize is that, you know, the system works exactly there. It's like deposit into these relationships in terms of education-based marketing. But then when you bring somebody in, you've got to, you've got to really deliver on, you know, what your value is, what your value proposition is on a one-to-one -one basis, because that's where, where the rubber meets the road, right? Right. So if you, you were in my CCIM class and I've had a couple people uh, call me from that class and want to talk about doing deals, I handle all that. Yep. Um, I do the fee agreement. I follow through that they pay. I do the deal structure interview. Even though I'm not going to type the documents, I want to know what the deal is. So when I look at the documents and I review the documents that my other partners have drafted, we've got, we've got the story right. And so I follow through and we have, we have an automated system at the office. I could push a button. You could get the fee agreement. I could push a button and I could send you the deal structure questionnaire right. and see if you can figure it out yourself. I don't do that. And I, and that isn't my, uh, that isn't, hasn't been and will never be my style. Yeah, I mean, if you want to build long-term relationships with people, mm -hmm. you've got to treat them as people, right? Everybody's different. You're not just this big assembly line, especially as somebody like yourself. I mean, you're providing a high-end service that's very, you know, it needs to be touched. It needs to be, your expertise needs to be felt there. So um, I'm curious to know, I mean, some of your clients, I mean, obviously you guys are servicing 500, you know, plus syndicators across the United States. I mean, what are you seeing that's working well right now? What's not working well? I mean, is there anything that's stuck out recently that says, wow, this is like, I can't believe I saw this and, um, you know, watch out for this or whatever? Well, in the, um, in the time that, that our partnership has been going since 2014, there's all sorts of money. Finding money for investments has never been the issue for any of our clients, with the exception of the ones who who try to do a blind pool in their first deal, that's not, that's not gonna work. You have to have a track record. And I tell them that, but they still, they still wanna try that. Um, advertising without a track record, no one's gonna send you a $100,000 check if you don't have a track record or if they don't know you. Mm -hmm. So those things don't work, but everything else works. And my fear is that since it's been so easy to raise money, I wonder if all the deals they're doing are gonna work out. Yeah, just I just you know a lot of competition for deals. Uh, brokers tell sellers they should get X when maybe they should get X minus something. Mm -hmm. And two or three syndicators are vying for the same property. You know, one of the one of the mistakes I made when I was a syndicator was uh, thinking I always had to have a deal on the street uh, because I was working with uh, the sales force of the broker dealer community. And if I, I felt that if I wasn't in front of those broker dealers um, all the time with a product, uh, Tyler would get in front of them with his product yep. and then I would lose the relationship. So I remember once particularly, there was a, a national conference of financial planners in Anaheim and I knew my competitors were going to be there. So I absolutely had to have a product. I had to stand at the booth and say to the financial planners and the broker dealers, yes, here, here's my property. Here's what I'm going to do. And so I jumped the gun on a property and it turned out to be a bad decision. Okay. And so that was, and I tell people that all the time, you know, 
you know all the groups that are out there. They all meet, and there's four or five hundred people who get together and meet, and I'm always there. And and people run around in the audience trying to find investors for their deals. And I'm wondering how many of those guys and ladies just got a deal because they knew that, you know, this company is having three events this year and the next one is in four weeks. I better have a deal so yeah. I can find some investors. I think that's a huge, I know it's a mistake I made and I'm sure it's problematic for, um, for other people. What would you suggest for folks? Because in this marketplace, that is certainly the case where liquidity is through the roof. I mean, there's, there's so much capital. Um, there's very little deals, you know, in any major market or even secondary or tertiary markets. I mean, they're so limited. Uh, what would you suggest for folks? I mean, just patience or is there anything else that you would say? I mean, just extra yeah. due diligence? Well, Tyler, the bind is if you're in the syndication business, you make money by putting deals together. Right. You get acquisition fees, you get management fees, so it's your it's your income. And so one of the reasons I was happy to not continue to grow and not continue to to do that is I felt, well, that's just what I need is another three employees and another two wholesalers and have to do more and more business just so I could keep them in income. Mm -hmm. So I have the same problem with my law firm. Do I need 10 lawyers out there? Because Jillian brings in a lot of business, but I will say I'm really the rainmaker. And so all the business that I come in has to provide activity for my, my other partners while they're getting up and running and building their client base. Sure. Well, how much, that, how much of that do I want to take on? Mm -hmm. I've got enough. I've got enough. Right. Understood. So, so Gene, tell me about, um, what's, what's a, what's one of the most worst worthwhile investments that you've made in yourself over the years? If you, oh, if you had to say, well, going to CCIM, there've been two, of course I went to college. That was fine. I did that. So I'd stay out of the Vietnam war, but <laughs> anyhow, then after that, uh, of course, uh, my CCIM designation, I, I had my designation when I was 27 years old and started teaching when I was 28, Tyler. Wow. So, you know, I was, I was at the time one of the youngest, and when I left, I was the most tenured, but I wasn't, I never did get to be the oldest, but I got to uh, be the youngest. So that was huge for me. It taught me real estate and it put me in front of thousands and thousands of people in classroom environments. And I met some really great teachers who were also professional real estate people. Yeah, but going to law school probably was the thing for me. Uh, it gave me a different way of looking at things, if I, as I've already discussed. Uh, it, was, it was good. Well, I mean, basically, I mean, overall, it's like investing in your learning, right? Investing in your own mm -hmm. understanding of the different sides of real estate, whether it's CCIM or, you know, obviously with your, with your law degree. But I, I could totally agree. I mean, CCIM has been totally transformative for me as well. So if anybody's listening who's considering getting involved with CCIM, I would highly, highly recommend it. I mean, I can't tell you how much I learned and continue to learn just by being involved with the Institute. And so, Good. Uh, and also it's great to, to obviously be connected with, uh, with Gene through that. But uh, Gene, I'd be curious to know um, now, you know, obviously being so accomplished and, you know, been, you know, been around the block and in, in some ways, um, what's, what are you most inspired and working towards right now in terms of a goal or some intention that you're looking to accomplish? 
Well, I'm, I'm interested in making sure that the people who are in my firm have a strong foundation and will be successful when I slow down. Okay, my firm, that, that's important to me. Uh, it's important to me that when I slow down, um, Jillian will have something that she can, uh, she can manage successfully along with me and the Rainmaker. And the four other people that we have will uh, continue to go. My name is still going to be on the sign. And I think that that'll help. That's, Im that's important. But I've got to, and I give this answer every time someone asks me this question on one of these, I've got to figure out how to spend more time with my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're getting up there. We've got to figure out uh, that I can't just spend all my time in my office. Okay, Kay retired about 10 years ago, and we had some, some health issues with her mom, and uh, she was here for a while, and we've solved that. Now we're empty nesters. My daughter's 38. She's on her own. She lives about 100 miles away in northern L.A., and so we've got to do some stuff. We've got to. We do a pretty good job traveling, but we've, we've got to do better and all that. So I need to slow down um, in a way that doesn't uh, jeopardize um, my firm. I think that's one thing that a lot of us, a lot of people listening uh, would probably say that they probably don't do a great job of is thinking of goals and intentions outside of their business. And, you know, it's like, you got to slow down. You got to live life too. I mean, you can't just be hard charging and you, you probably shouldn't wait until you've been in the business for 40 plus years to have these thoughts either. So it's a good reminder for me to kind of like, Hey, you know, we've got to have some other intentions outside of just the business because if not, what's it all for? Right. You know, so well, that's true. But Kay, yep. uh, Kay always tells me that uh, her opinion and what she's seen is that men uh, value themselves based on their work. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm working. Mm -hmm. So I work. Okay, and I wonder if, if, if somewhere along the line we could change that. I don't know. Well, I think it's something definitely introspectively ask ourselves is are we – getting self-worth through our accomplishments in business, you know, mm -hmm. because I can definitely say that's, that's been the case for me. And I know many others, especially a players, people who are hard charging. I mean, that's why they do it. If you really dig deep, 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 it's because they find self-worth, you know, through right. accomplishments and exterior accomplishments. So right. I think if you look at that, it starts to kind of say, well, wait a minute, I don't, you know, I don't have to tie my self-worth, you know, if I have a challenge, if I have a failure, I don't have to, you know, freak out about it. So um, so I thought that was a really good, uh, really good thought there. I'm curious, uh, Gene, who, uh, or what is the driving force behind what you've done in your career? Mentoring, mentoring people. Okay. Keep it simple. I love it. If you do that and you do that through, and you attract them through education based marketing and you can mentor them, the money will come to you and that's just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think mentoring is a, it's a long-term way to look at it. You're not just looking at it as a transaction. You're looking at it. How can I cultivate this person and, and improve them and advise them appropriately? I think that's a great reminder for all of us and no matter what capacity you're in. Um, so Gene, if you were to, um, if you were to say who it is that you really kind of have worked hard for, is there somebody in particular that comes to mind? Well, for the most part, I would say it's my family, but I always work hard for the people who are involved with me in business. And today it would be 
you know, uh, Jillian and my partners, and, and we have a staff, you know, and the staff mm -hmm. counts on us making money and paying their salary and giving them bonuses and having a nice office and having them have a good life. And we run a, a quite a family-oriented uh, um, office where there's plenty of time for people if you need to go to the, you know, the kids' soccer game, we can work that out. We, we do that. So that's... Uh, that's it. I'm still mentoring. I'm even mentoring my secretary. Mm -hmm. How, you know, how has she grown in the three years she's been with me with new tasks and new skills? And it's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I get a kick out of it all the time. So. Yeah, I think, I mean, the theme of our conversation so much has been really kind of focusing on like well-being for your colleagues as well as your family and people that you support. And, you know, you don't always have to look at it as a take relationship. You're also giving back. And like we said in the beginning, when you give, you receive more. And so that's really been the theme of what we've talked about today, which I've really appreciated. And uh, I'd like to transition into our rapid fire section, what we call the rare air questionnaire. And the reason why we call it that is, you know, Elevate Nation. We continue to reach a higher, you know, elevation. And most people have given up. Most people have said, hey, my legs were tired or I couldn't breathe. But that was hours and hours ago. And we're, we're ascending to the peak of the mountain and we've got another mountain to climb. But uh, I'd be curious to know, Gene, we've already talked about some books, but is there any other books that you would say have been extremely impactful for you over the, over the years? Well, you know, I'm not much of a self help book reader. I just, right, yeah. just, I just don't, you know, and I don't know why, but I, uh, but uh, I've heard it. <laughs> I've heard it all. So I don't say, but I have two. I already showed you the shack, which was what important. Um, and there are two other things I'm going to talk about that you haven't really gotten to yet that I'm going to, I'm going to deal with uh, as long as we're doing this. But here's a book that someone else wrote it's his name is V.A. Nelson, and it's an American hero, Eugene Trowbridge. Um, I contributed a lot of information to this book about my dad. My dad was a, a war hero, a Marine Corps aviator, um, and uh, this fellow was in ninth grade band. My dad was a band director in his later life. And this fellow took band from my dad in ninth grade and went off to be in the military, became a doctor and uh, had a full career in the military. And about five years ago, he called me and said, you know, I'd like to write a book about your dad because your dad was an influence to me. And so I had my dad won the Navy Cross, and he was the first guy who landed in Guadalcanal and, and a lot of big stuff from being a, a trumpet player to a big war hero. And so I gave him some stuff. And that's, that was a motivating, uh, motivating book for me. And um, two other things. Um, I read a lot of book of, books about being adopted. Being adopted is kind of focused my life a little bit. And that's a whole interesting world. And just very quickly, I knew I was adopted for a long time from six, well, I always knew I was adopted, but at 16, my mother gave me my adoption papers. I didn't pay any attention to it, although on the lower right-hand corner was the name of my mom and her address in St. Paul. I didn't, didn't pay much attention to it. So at 68, I went on uh, Ancestry.com, 
and figure, well, my mom is dead by now, so I'm not going to offend anyone. It's not going to be a surprise. So I went on Ancestry.com and I got a ping from someone who said, there's someone who lives in northern Minnesota who might be a relative. And so we traded emails back and forth through that. And I've got six half-brothers and sisters who all live in the Twin Cities, and I've gone and visited all of them. And uh, when we left the Twin Cities to move to California, that family with those six lived three blocks from us. And we didn't know it. And we didn't know it. And so that's a, uh, so now after being an only child all my life, there's six of them. And, and the two questions are, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to find them? And the other question that my daughter asked me, well, now that you find, found them, what are you going to do with that? Well, so those are all things that I'm working through my, my old age on. And I think that's kind of interesting. The last thing I want to tell you is a challenge that I took. Um, I've run 36 half marathons since I turned 60. Never been a runner in my life. I just showed up in Kauai one day. The next day I ran a half marathon and liked it. And uh, after 36 half marathons in 10 years, Tyler, I've gained 15 pounds. So (laughs) what what is that? Oh, my God. Man, you you gave us a lot there. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. You, you just skipped over the. I mean, that's that's an insane story about your um, your adoption and the. I mean, how does that how does that make you feel at this point? I'm st- I'm still processing it. I mean, Emily's question to me now: What are you going to do with it? Is something I'm still dealing with. I know why I did it because I'm a healthy guy, and all the time I go to the doctor, everything is fine. Mm-hmm. But there's no there was no information about hereditary diseases. Mm-hmm. So if I could find mm-hmm. someone in the family, would I learn a little bit more about, about my future as I get older? And, and they're all healthy. Uh, so, and there's even my, my mother who's dead uh, brother, her younger brother who's 87. He's, he said he's healthy as a horse, you know, for 87. So, so that was good. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I, it's just, I mean, everybody's got their own unique stories. You know, I'm always curious to know, like, what what's your background? And I appreciate you sharing that, because obviously, that's very personal. And we all support you and and figuring out what to do with that information. And, and I'm sure it will, it will work out the way it's meant to. Right. Um, so tell me, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Gene? I'm going to use a word I've used before, mentoring. When I feel that I've accomplished something by um, elevating someone I'm, I work with, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that motivates me. When I go down to the office a couple times a week and I see what they're doing and I'm encouraging and, and they gather something from me being there, I drive home and I'm happy. That's great. Well, I, I would imagine it's going to be a similar answer, but perhaps I can challenge you to think differently on this last one. How do you best elevate others around you? And I know you're probably going to say mentoring because obviously that's, that's, that's the case, but what's number two? Well, I try to provide new information to them that'll make them uh, uh, encouragement and new information, give them something that, that I can share with them that maybe will, uh, uh, let them perform their job better, make their life easier. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would be it. It's still kind of the same thing, but that's what it's all about, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you've gained so much very, wisdom over the years that yeah. it's you can help them avoid mistakes or capture opportunities with what you've seen, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I met Jillian in a CCIM course mm. before she was a lawyer. That's then awesome. she went to law school and we became friends and she started her own uh, practice. And I mentored her a few times in her practice. What would it be? What could she do? Was she charging enough? Was she going to the right events? How was she marketing? And one day she was at an event and I, I talked to her for a year about joining me. One day she was at an event and she she sent me a text and says, okay, I've had enough. Let's let's get together. So that whole relationship was built on, on uh, me mentoring her. A lot of wisdom there to uh, for us all to take in and soak in. It's like you got to build these long-term relationships and give, 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 and you never know. Something might come of it. Something great might come of it, such as your firm. And Gene, any part, uh, any parting thoughts or words of wisdom for Elevate Nation that you have today? Well, let me talk to the syndicators who are listening, okay? Yep. Yep. Uh, I want to go through the four questions that I think every syndicator has to answer at the beginning of a deal. Okay. And then the passive investors should ask these questions. So this really helps everyone. The first thing that I find a syndicator should be able to answer is, well, Tyler, you want me to invest $50,000 in your deal. Mm-hmm. What happens if something happens to you? If you can't answer the continuity question, don't take people's money. First of all, they're not going to want to give it to you, but don't take their money because there's a huge risk to them if you don't have continuity. Mm-hmm. The next thing Let I me ask would you ask. real quick, Gene, okay. if you don't mind, what's the, what's the, I mean, the what's appropriate the answer? answer that I would say would be, uh, you know, my partner is, is Good. Your honor, well, that's right? got to have a partner. You got to have an LLC to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And inside the LLC, there has to be someone who is capable of signing documents and making decisions, you know, during the six months you're out because you, uh, you hit your head on a, a rock skiing yeah. right. and you're in traction. You don't have to die. That's not the issue. There's all sorts of ways you can, things can screw up a syndicator. Sure. Other than just dying. So that's the answer. The next thing that a syndicator should be ready to answer is, uh, have you done this before? I would like all the syndicators out there are just starting to get over that question. Yes, it's a great question. And if you don't have some sort of an answer that goes like this, no, but I've studied, I've learned, I've bought my own property, I'm invested, I, I've got a partner who I can do this with, then you're not going to be very successful and you shouldn't take people's money. But everyone has had to say no. So get, get over it. Get mm-hmm. the first deal done. <laughs> so when someone asks you that question, Tyler, have you done that before? You say, hell yes, once. <laughs> but you got to get to that point, right? And Absolutely. the third question would be, Tyler, if this is a good enough deal, are you going to invest in it yourself? I think that's a real negative if you say no. I think there's a time in your career where you can say that. But to start with, you just have to make your money alongside of your investors. That's what you have to do. So you have to invest something. And then the last question that a passive has to ask the syndicator and the syndicator has to be able to answer is, well, as a passive, Tyler, if something happens to me, is there a liquidity provision? Is there any way I can get my money out? I know that you have a continuity plan. That's fine. But what about me? 
And the answer there is you've got a professional, an attorney who's drafted a good operating agreement that has a strong uh, liquidity plan for the investors. I think those are the four things that uh, I say all the time. You've heard me say those. I say those all the time if I'm talking just to passives or I'm talking to syndicators. You know, you've got to get through those four things. Uh, taking people's money is a big, a big thing. Um, I probably didn't mention that, but when I made a decision to leave the syndication business, one of the issues was how much money I was managing of other people. Mm -hmm. And was I willing to you know, trouble that. No. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Gene wrote a great book called It's a Whole New Business and it's about real estate syndication. And we do have a special offer for our <laughs> listeners. Phenomenal book. Uh, I've read it myself. And, you know, a lot of these questions that Gene is going over today is exactly what, you know, he talks about in the book and in much further detail. And he's certainly a mentor for thousands and thousands of people, whether or not they are his client or not. Uh, I definitely encourage you to reach out to his firm, but we will be actually putting uh, information in our show notes to share this PDF of the entire book for free, which is amazing. Uh, so thank you so much, Gene, for sharing that. And, um, you know, uh, Gene, how else can Elevate Nations, you know, stay in contact with you, stay, you know, following you and, uh, you know, learn more about your firm? Well, sure. Well, our, our website is very good. We have a lot of things that are on the website. All of our podcasts go on YouTube. So I would think everyone would want to know our website address is crowdfundinglawyers.net. And uh, then um, me. My phone number is 949-855-8529. That's my individual direct phone number. You can go on the website if you want and schedule a call with me. That's fine. Or just call me. <laughs> okay. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Tyler. Hey, it's been a lot of fun, uh, Gene. I really, really appreciate you being on the show and really appreciate you sharing the wisdom that you've shared with us. And um, I want to you know, thank Elevate Nation for being here as well. And I want to remind everybody, I mean, it's about repetition. I mean, play the show over, take notes. I mean, I'm sitting here taking notes. There's so much gold nuggets of wisdom here from this mentor and this, you know, this wise, wise man and, you know, with so much experience. And, um, you know, I want, to, I want to definitely challenge you to take massive action now. You know, do you need to call Gene? Go for it. Call Gene. Go get the book, read the book and take action on what he's talking about here and ask yourself these four questions. I mean, if you're, if you're a syndicator, what, what questions are you deficient in right now? I mean, are you going to invest in the deal? No. Well then maybe you should figure that out. Right. Um, you know, so I definitely challenge everybody to take massive action and um, you know, until next time, you know, definitely share the show with a friend. We appreciate everybody being here and Gene, thanks again for being on the show. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Bye. Absolutely. Thanks guys. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.